Hey everyone, this is your Hairpy Session with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mazur, aka Portland Hairstylist. So guys, update with my salon search. So far I've checked out six spaces. And you know what's interesting that I learned is you can negotiate the base rent, which is your dollar amount per square footage, but you cannot negotiate the triple net. Now your base rent is what you see in leasing, looking at buildings and spaces available. It'll say $28 a square foot, $30 a square foot. I realized that by talking to a broker of a place I was looking up at up on Hawthorne is you can actually negotiate that lower. But what you cannot negotiate is a triple net. Now the triple net lease is a lease agreement on a property where the tenant or leasee agrees to pay all real estate taxes, building insurance, and maintenance, the three nets, on the property in addition to any normal fees that are expected under that agreement, such as your base rent, utilities, etc. I never knew about triple net. Like I've I actually, I was talking to Andrea from Gilded Fox a long time ago, we met up and she told me about her space and she's like, you know, when you are starting to look at spaces, you have to understand that, yeah, you'll see this lease for so much money a month, but that does not count the triple net, which sometimes you'll see the square footage of the amount of the space, $28 a square foot, and it'll have a plus sign, N, N, N. So just for people that are looking for spaces, look out for that triple net. Now, of course, most spaces for lease in Portland are within a larger building, having two to three, sometimes far more spaces for lease, which means as a leasee, you will not be carrying the entire amount of the triple net, but only a portion. And before committing to a space or to a lease, you can get that broken down from the broker of that lease place that's available. But so far, you know, I, I've seen a lot of different things. I'm still looking at spaces, but I really haven't had anything that grabbed me yet. It's been an interesting process. You know, when I first thought about going out on my own, the whole idea was daunting. I had no idea where to begin, but now I definitely feel more confident and I'm still doing research. So where am I at in the process? Well, you guys, honestly, I'm cool with just getting my clients back in my chair. Currently, I'm switching over to square booking from Vagaro. And not to toot my own horn, but I am slammed. I am very, very slammed. I'm trying to get all my clients in. So usually, that you know, a lot of them have actually been pretty nice. And I do work pretty late on the days that I work, but I'm hoping to get everybody in um, and I'm still contacting people to see if they're available or if they want to come and see me. So I'm switching to square booking, uh, really a lot more versatile for my clients. It's easier for me because I can send out my own emails rather than having to go through April, which Vigaro, she kind of takes control over that. But so far, yeah, I'm just chilling in my room in my little studio at 77 salon doing my clients hair so that's where i'm at and and actually we have four new stylists which i'm really excited about i'm really excited to work with them one of my good friends is eva morelli this is our fourth salon that we'll be working at and she is chill as a cucumber i absolutely love her i don't think we've ever had one argument she's that chill she also has her friend nick who I know and he's very sweet and he's a very kind person. And then we also have two new people that have come from a different salon, Deidre and Jess. And and both of those, I, I feel like they kind of work late at night because I'm always seeing them at work and um, we're always pitching in asking if we need help like with closing. So I'm really looking forward to working with those girls. Everybody's very sweet and we have a great team. So going back to talking about looking at these spaces and figuring out what I want to do, like what my next step is, I'm actually tossing the idea of partnership. Why? Well, you guys, I have a full book, not only with my clients, but I'm a mother of twin boys who are now 21 months. Uh, I'm a wife to a CPA who's been working like crazy 
And I've also been focusing on this podcast, trying to reach out to others who I look up to and respect. That's pretty much what's going on in my life. But then also, I've kind of realized, and this is just how I am, is that I don't know all the answers. I like bouncing off ideas with another person and also somebody that's very passionate in the field. And I feel that I could find somebody to maybe we could balance each other out. Like maybe what I'm not so good at, she's probably or he's probably very skilled at, vice versa. So I'm not opposed to it. That's where I'm at. And I do feel that if I do want to take on that route of partnership, which I know would be a lot of work, um, first of all, having to be very honest, vulnerable, but I do know that if I found the right person, I know that our salon could grow exponentially and that we could have a really great team. So what does it take to create a strong partnership? While I feel that Josette Ardverson and Ambrosia Carey, owners of Oryx Salon, have that answer. They are both very strong, motivated, and passionate women, not only in their craft, but they love to educate their team as well as others in the field. Here's an interview with Josette and Ambrosia, owners of Oryx Salon, interview on June 28, 2020. All right, everybody, we have the owners of York Salon. We have Josette Arvidson and Ambrosia Carey. Welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Okay, so you guys, uh, for the podcast now, I mentioned that my goal is to open up my own salon. And so by doing that, I'm interviewing various salon owners within the Portland community. What I like about Josette and Ambrosia is the fact is like me seeing you guys on Instagram, it seems like you guys have a really strong team and you guys are partners, which, you know, I've heard before, like they're like partnerships just don't work out. But then I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's some successful ones. And I feel like you guys are proof of, of that. For sure. Thank you. That's a compliment and yeah. I appreciate it. And I think it really depends on where your strengths are and where the other's strengths are and being able to take a step back and let the other take a step forward and vice versa. And I feel like Josette and I, are, we orchestrate that really well. Okay. And then now before we dive into uh, your guys' partnership, how long have you guys been in the hair industry and are you from here? So I'll have Josette answer first. Um, I've been in the hair industry for 30 years, and I am from Portland, and Ambrosia and I have been together as partners since 2016, the early part of the year. And you guys have met, and, and where are you from, Ambrosia? Are you from here? I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona, but I've been okay. in Portland, Oregon since I was a little girl, and oh, okay. I've been in the industry for 20 years. So pretty much you're a native. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're almost a native, yeah. uh, which I am too. And it's really funny being on the show or interviewing people. I realized that there are more native Portland natives than I thought. So, but it's cool. Awesome. Um, now you guys both worked at Magnum Opus. So that's how you guys first met, right? We didn't no. meet at Magnum Opus originally. Oh, okay. We are both. Yeah, we were both our forming careers just in the in the beginning was started at Magnum Opus. Yeah. And so Ambrosia, you started to work at Magnum Opus right after beauty school. Is that right? Yes, correct. And you went because um, it was a relative, wasn't it? Yeah, my sister in law, she worked for Magnum Opus um, for a while. And then she transferred actually to another salon and she did my hair in that salon and that salon happened to be Josette. Oh my God. So there's a tie-in. There it is. Um, so Josette, when did you, where did you go to beauty school? And then did you work at Magnum Opus right after that? I did. I went to Beaumont in uh, downtown Portland. And my goal was the day that I started beauty school that I would do an apprenticeship. Um, I thought I might be in LA or New York at some point, but stayed in Portland and wanted to be in the best salon there was. And I interviewed at several different salons and I really liked Magnum Opus. And I just kept going in until they hired me and worked there for five years and got some really good uh, examples of how to run a successful salon. 
and just had had a child and just wanted more flexibility, even though ironically I opened a salon, it still um, was a good place to get uh, that footing. And Okay. Now, Hickox was around during that time. And the reason why I know about Hickox, which I think, I don't, I'm not sure if you're friends with them, but I worked with Fati and Danielle at their mm-hmm. salon, Fata Salon. That's a, so, yeah, they're amazing. What are, what was the difference between Hickox and what attracted you to go to Magnum Opus? Um, I mean, back then, I think when I went to Hickox, I did drop my resume off there. It just didn't have, it had at that time, um, kind of a colder, uh, for lack of a better word, like a snobbier feel where Magnum Opus felt fun and uh, felt like people were complimenting each other's work and it just felt more of like me, you know, and okay. uh, also uh, the boss, you know, that hired me at that time, which was the same person who hired Ambrosia was very direct and like, I like that and mm-hmm. it just had a better fit, but I did, I did love the, um, the look of Hickox and knew that they had a really good training program, but it just didn't have the right feel for me. And that was when it was in the Charles F. Berg building. Is that right? Right by Nordstrom's? Yes, that was before their big remodel. Okay, gotcha. And then Ambrosia, um, what, well, obviously it was your sister-in-law with Magnum Opus, but what about you and your journey? Like when you went to beauty school, did you automatically think I need to do an apprenticeship program right right after this? Definitely. I mean, education was really important for me, but I knew that if I was going to be in the right hands and I wanted to, to um, fast forward my career, I would need to do it with the guidance of someone who was expert level and was, you know, handled the industry more in a professional manner, um, help, helped me with building up the business side of things and had more structure. So okay. I knew I needed that. And I, I was seeking that. So Magnum Opus was at the top of the list for me when I was looking for an apprenticeship at that time. And especially even now, there's not a lot of apprenticeship programs in Portland, unfortunately. And I really do believe, I mean, even some of the strongest salon owners that I know today, every one of them went through an apprenticeship. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm very thankful for. And I, I was talking about that with a friend of mine is honestly, the only apprenticeship programs that I know for sure are you guys. And then also Orange Studio, which is the Southwest Waterfront. And honestly, I don't know really any any professional apprenticeship programs. So that was the other thing that attracted me to your guys' business. Um, and then now, Josette, going back, you were at Magnum Opus and then immediately you opened your salon? Correct. I was there for five years and uh, started kind of looking at alternate options for leaving. And uh, originally I was just going to lease the chair or be an independent contractor and it fell into my lap that a salon came for sale and I just, it sounded, I wanted to have a salon actually when I graduated from beauty school, but one of the advisors at the school suggested that I get a job at a really good salon and, and just get some experience. Mm -hmm. And that was really sage advice. So um, it changed from going to being an independent contractor to being a salon owner. And uh, right out of the gate, you know, coming from Magnum Opus with all the education we knew that would be important. And so we went to business classes and tried to learn things uh, by the School of Hard Knocks because I don't have a degree in business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're on the other side of it, there's so much more than you know when you're just an employee. So uh, it's been, yeah. So just deciding to go into business for myself was the move right after leaving Magnum Opus. How long have you been a salon owner? Uh, it'll be 24 years in September That's of this really year. Cool. And how long were you at? So your original salon was called O Salon. And then you had had that for so many years and then decided now, were you deciding like, Hey, I'm really looking for a partnership now, or what was the turning point? Well, we had, we had moved into the space we're in now and there was a stylist who was, you know, a fantastic stylist. She left and opened her own salon. And of course, you know, there were a few people that went with her and that's normal in our industry. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was that feeling of like the space kind of had, for lack of a better words, an entire like corner was taken, you know, taken out of it. So the energy that it takes to fill that back up 
especially after getting through like 2009 and 10 and that period, we just didn't know if it was something that we really wanted to do. And then at the same time, the struggle was, I love being a salon owner. I love being Mm -hmm. a good boss to people and being supportive and having a good safe place for people to work. And we're obsessed with education and I love having that team. And so a friend of mine I, that does work at Magnum Opus still, that's a good friend, both of Ambrosia and I, I was telling her about my personal like dilemma. And she said, you really should meet Ambrosia because she wants to open a salon, but may not want to open it all by herself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, sure, let's try it. And-, and Ambrosia, she's pretty driven. And so the first time that we met, it was kind of like, it could work. And then we just, we just casually kind of talk over the next few weeks and just decided to go for it. And it was a really good move because she was willing to come in and give everything a fresh set of eyes and the things that she's really strong in that I am not. And it really filled in some of those holes to replenish that corner that was missing. Did, okay. So with Ambrosia now, um, did it make you nervous wanting to talk to Josette because obviously you guys had never met right before this or did you meet when you got your hair done we'd never met and um it was a very just like authentic organic process I mean I met her at this um dinner get together and my objective was just to talk shop with someone else who's local that I I know is reputable and I know that she has a salon and I know that she was going through some pivotal moments within the salon and I never was seeking to join forces with her. It wasn't one of those things where we were, you know, interviewing one another. It was more just just having a, you know, a a real talk about what's going on and where our struggles are and where, where we're headed next and what we want to do. And as we started, you know, just sharing ideas, sharing stories we realized that we both could really help one another out because I was never seeking to open my own salon necessarily because I knew the um, I knew what was involved with it. I knew what kind of dedication I'd have mm-hmm. to give it, and I wasn't ready to give birth to twins and take care of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, by Josette having that foundation set and with my vision and having a, a background in like business and marketing and a fascination with branding and just really kind of going down that road, um, we were able to kind of put our heads together and come up with a new business model, create a whole new structure, uh, change the format of, you know, how things were run underneath the roof. And then um, you know, we made a shift in the name so that it had a little bit more purpose and mm-hmm. passion behind it because the, the name, she wasn't particularly, uh, uh, attached to it, although it had been that name for a long time. And we wanted to still incorporate the name within the new name, but the new name to us was kind of like a rebirthing process. And it was really symbolic of where we're headed, what we're about, what our mission is, where our drive is and who we want to invite in. And that to me is really important for, um, you know, your goals to align with yeah. who you invite in and what, what you have to share together. Uh, how many years of experience did you have in the hair industry before you went to Ocelon? Um, Well, I'd been at Magnum Opus for 14 years, I believe, or 15. I can't, I lost track. I don't even know, <laughs> but um, I had only been with Magnum Opus. So I, I was, it was kind of one of those things where I struggled in the beginning. I didn't even mm-hmm. know if I wanted to be in the hair industry. I had planned on going back to school for my business degree, actually. And um, in that process, I didn't really take it seriously enough. But then mm-hmm. when I finally kind of hit this monumental moment, you know, where you really, you know, when the rubber meets the road and, and, and then you're just, you're going and you just can't stop. You have this other force that's pulling you. Mm-hmm instead of pushing you, um, then I really started making a different relationship within, you know, my responsibility as a hairstylist. And so then that's when my role started changing slightly. And I went from being, you know, earning six figures to breaking records, to setting records. And then at that point, I really was driven by education. I mean, that's really what kept me going in it. And so I was the lead educator in the apprenticeship program for the last couple of years at Magnum Opus. And um, I had bigger dreams. I just wanted Mm -hmm. to be able to open the doors to whoever. I didn't want to be exclusive 
um, or inclusive, I should say, I wanted to be, I wanted to be one of those things that was open to anybody. Yeah. And that's the way it needs to be. And Josette and I saw very clearly that she and I, we, we both don't, it's, you know, we want to evolve. And by evolving, that means you have to pass your knowledge on to other people and they need to start taking ownership yeah. of that so that we, we can continue to wear other hats and grow and develop. So we really, really wanted to, um, change the mindset of how others have fostered this like educational, like they wanted to tug onto it and be like, this is my, this is my anchoring piece. And this is what I can contribute. And this mm -hmm. is the me thing. And we see it the complete opposite. Like as soon as you pass that on to someone else, it relieves you of being able to move on to the next thing and find out, you know, it's like, you're the seeker now. And then mm -hmm. you get to pass that knowledge on to other people. And then Josette, so since Embryoja was pretty uh, like an educator for Magnum Opus, did you, you had an apprenticeship program at Osalon. Mm -hmm. I remember that because oh, yeah. I, yeah, because I had job shadowed you a long time ago. I know you don't remember me, which is totally fine. <laughs> it was before I actually graduated from college at uh, Northwest College of Hair Design. So is the setup of your training a lot different now, now that Ambrosia is a part of the team? No, I mean, no, because we, we both, uh, we teach every other week. And before that, I taught every week. And loved every minute of it. The difference is, is that Ambrosia and I really do want to incorporate more of our staff doing training. Mm, and we've right. done a little bit of that, but we really, our, our goal was, is, and was to transition into doing more of that. Mm -hmm. And we can talk maybe a little bit about that when we get into the COVID stuff, but no, I mean, the training program and, you know, the reason why there aren't very many apprenticeship programs in Portland or probably around the country for that matter is that Ambrosia and I don't get paid for that. It's all it's all time that we give back to our our staff and our industry. Like and and that's hard for a lot of owners to dedicate the amount of time and energy that it takes. And you're paying those people mm -hmm. to be learning. So it's an expense. So an apprentice program. Um, but no, it really looks pretty similar. The difference is Ambrosia brought in a lot more uh, social media education yeah, okay. and she does her French cutting. And so the, the our staff is really lucky because they get to learn her, her techniques that she was trained in, as well as the things I have been trained in and, and some of the other things that, you know, techniques that are also, you know, done by other artists in our industry. So we have a really well-rounded crew, but um, as far as the structure, not really, it's every Tuesday. It's been every Tuesday for, you know, 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. Um, the I do have to say, though, one thing that was different before Ambrosia came on, we do a thing where uh, starting about, I think, seven years ago, we have the new talent or the apprentices take clients on Sundays by themselves. Mm -hmm. So they have a day where they don't have someone over their shoulder and they're, they're kind of watched by their uh, peers, but not necessarily by us, like the day that they take models. Oh, that's so great. They, yeah. Yeah. When they take models, we're right there watching every step and really coaching them. And, and the only way you can see if their bad habits are with, if you're right there, you know, mm -hmm. um, when I was an apprentice, I didn't like the fact that the person would just come out and check my work when I got done. Like, so we really are hands-on watching every move and helping them. And they say that they really appreciate that. So Sundays are a good day for them to kind of launch and like, use those new things they're learning and oh, without you know the pressure of their boss watching them <laughs> do you so ambrosia because i've noticed that you are now also a business coach do you incorporate that in your teachings for the apprenticeship program or is that a totally separate thing uh to some degree i mean obviously since i'm working with hairstylists and they are working underneath our you know the same the same space uh, we're working primarily on their technical abilities, their communication skills, which is even more important than their technical abilities, and um, just a, a little bit of understanding of their personal, you know, like just self-marketing. Okay. But when it comes to the business side of things, uh, you know, because the structure of the salon is commission-driven, uh, that's our job as a, mm -hmm. as a 
as an owner, right? That's our job as being like their leader, their mentor is understanding those pieces. That's not really something that they need to understand necessarily. Although we are a blended salon, so we do have booth rental stylists who have actually learned a lot from our own guidance. And we do share those types of things, uh, what's really important to understand. But the, the type of uh, coursework that I do or the one-on-one -on -one type work is is really related to running and understanding your own business as an individual behind the chair and what you can do to maximize your efficiency. How, now with you guys becoming a partnership, is it pretty apparent for your staff and for the stylist who like uh, where to go to, like who's the person to go to, or this is Ambrosia's role and this is Joe Set's role? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, the, you know, obviously for anything, you have an order of operations and there's some areas where uh, if somebody comes to me and just says, you know, has a question about maybe their schedule or they have a question about um, payroll, then that's not, they know that that's not something that we go over. We do have reviews where we sit down and we look at numbers and we look at the heart, you know, just like the, the four foundations of what it takes to like grow. But Yes, we definitely have different roles as far as who to turn to navigating around that. Yeah. And then Joseph, how often do you guys, do you guys meet up together for the partnership to do check-ins? And then how often do you guys meet up with the team at your salon? Well, we have monthly staff meetings. Um, that's been a very important thing. It's kind of like eating dinner together as a family. I mean, you have to have check-in times. And like Ambrosia said, the one-on-ones are separate. But as a whole group, we meet every month. Um, it was Thursdays for 20 plus years, and now it's Fridays. But we, uh, um, the, my, the meetings are very fun. They're positive. Um, sometimes we get housekeeping out of the way and just check in with the group. And they've been a really vital part of like knowing policies and like classes and and also just celebrating, like we usually, not every meeting, but we try to like do a Q&A. What's your favorite technique that you're super oh, excited cool. about right now? Or we'll have people put together like two people at a time. We'll do all the reds that are in for fall and they'll do a little poster. But, you know, we try to keep it fun. And um, Ambrosia, you know, was used to that as well, being at Magnum Opus, because they did it at Magnum Opus. It was a little more, you know, maybe not as lovely, but sometimes, but I think they're growing as well, I hope, as a business. and we kind of took what we liked about the staff meetings and made what we maybe didn't care for and make that more private um, in the one-on-ones. So yeah, that's, how, that's our interaction with, with the staff. Now, how often do you guys meet together? Oh, um, more, not as often as we should, but when we do, we do kind of have these power meetings where um, the thing about Ambrosia and I, are something we have in common, we both are very fast thinking and fast talking and, sometimes like very intense you know but for some reason together when it's just her and I and we really get into that mode it works really good because we're both very much like that so um it's like a great thing with a partner to have that and Ambrosia and I are pretty honest with each other and so sometimes that can be like gritty like if it was your sister you know like mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think that's important because we decided that in the very beginning of our business relationship that as long as we were honest even if it was ugly it would work good and we do our one-on-ones Ambrosia is really good about saying hey you know we haven't met for a month let's get together yeah. and <laughs> Like I That's said, why you're great I mean, at yeah, you're great at social media, Ambrosia, checking in with everybody. <laughs> yeah, she's really good at that. So she's better about like really noticing. And but at the same time, we talk every day. It's we do, but that's it isn't the same. You know, having that meeting time is is not the same. But five minute management when you're in a busy big salon is a real thing, and that's our daily lives. Like people yeah. coming to her, people coming to me, us talking for five minutes and changing the world. You know, it's like. Five minute management is really a real thing in a busy salon. So, and then, um, so how often are you behind the chair? Me, mm -hmm. I work four days a week behind the chair, and okay. I was doing every other Tuesday for class. And for right now, we're just committing to Tuesdays for being back from COVID. 
So I'll probably go back to that. So I guess 3.5 days a week. And then how often are you behind the chair, Ambrosia? Kind of the same, 3.5. I'm Wednesday through Saturday. I have two Saturdays that I take off. So I've got two cushion Saturdays that I still take clients. Okay. Um, Now, when you got hired or when you became a partner, when did the salon name change? And I did, I looked up the definition for Yorick. So, and, and I know Auric, actually. Auric. Okay, yeah. sorry. Auric. The aura okay. that surrounds a creature. Yes, yes, yes. So part of that, what I did, and it says the definition is that is the aura surrounding a living creature. Yeah. And it's also related to gold. So can you yeah. tell me again how you came up with that name? Um, you know, it's interesting because the, the Olympics were happening around that time and I saw a commercial and it was talking about how there's elements in your body and uh, there's <laughs> one of the elements that's found is actually gold and the most amount of gold that's found is around the human heart and I was wondering, oh, I wonder why if that has to do with like a heart of gold and, um, you know, more into it when I first joined the partnership, uh, when I first like bought into the salon, Josette and I, we... <laughs> We were going through all series of changes, but um, Josette was going through a personal hardship. Her mother was really ill, and um, I uh, I knew that her favorite shape was a heart. And I got her a little little gold locket, and or was it? I don't know if it was a locket. It was just a, a gold pendant, and it was a heart. And she just said, "I I love I love the heart," you know. And it's interesting because you know when like you know when if you're pregnant, then all you see are pregnant people. And if you get a Prius, oh, all you, yeah. see a Prius, you yeah. know, it's no, like, it is. so, yeah. <laughs> so Josette and I, we went on our first business trip together and we just kept seeing parts everywhere. <laughs> we saw, we, we brought um, back this big heart structure from Santa Barbara that she fell in love with and just had to have. And now it's like got a spotlight on it and you see it right when you walk in the, in the house and it's like the, the heart of the home. And so, um, you know, that meant something. And, uh, you know, when I heard this whole thing about the heart of gold and, and auric was another form of gold, um, I just thought, gosh, it just feels like it fits so well. And how ironic is it that O is still incorporated in it because O in the, in the elements, O is actually gold. So, um, you know, we were able to kind of almost kind of build on the, the original name, which was O and it had a little bit more of a symbolic meaning behind what we want people to feel inside that heart of gold and what we want people to feel outside, which is like your outer aura. And, uh, there it came auric. And then, and I remember I asked the question before, do you guys have a solid mission statement? Yeah, we do. We do. Um, we have kind of changed it throughout the years. And we even, the last meeting we had together, we were talking about possibly, shifting that a little bit but really like if we brought it down in its simplest form I guess if we were just to have like more of a logo so to speak it's to be beautiful we just want everyone to feel beautiful when they walk out of the salon and and it's it's not just about the hair we want people Mm -hmm. to feel beautiful and it's um and that's what we do when we are hiring other people that's why we hire as a group it's just very much about the feeling and we want everyone to feel because we're a family and we want everyone to feel like they belong together and that there's no uh, tension and there's, you know, everyone's helping each other out in different ways. I, so when COVID first hit, um, I, I did, you know, we all shut down everything like that. And for a while I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be as busy. I think people are going to be really scared to get their hair done. Now I'm so slammed that I'm almost all booked out in July. Like it's just insane. Um, but I do schedule my times a lot longer in between. Um, make sure that I sanitize my whole room because I have that small studio in 77. So Joseph, uh, a question for you first is, what have you guys done during this time of COVID and how has your salon life changed? Well, I mean, being business owners, we were still able to go into our space. And so we uh, spent some time going in and, you know, the doors are closed. We put stuff over the windows just to keep it safe. And not, this was like pre kind of recent climate in the, you know, in the, in the world, but like just to make sure like people weren't looking in and knowing that we weren't open. Yeah. Uh, 
we cleaned, we painted, we organized. Um, we knew that there was going to be mandates with like structural changes within the salon. And so we kind of put those off to the side because we knew we'd, we'd come back to those probably a few weeks before we opened, which we did. Um, Ambrosia and I got, you know, um, the lines that we carry were contractually not allowed to like sell them on our website, but we, the um, Orbe, Bumble, and Kerastas were really supportive. They they gave our salon commission for sales mm -hmm. through their website. And then we started doing um, curbside pickup for clients to pick up products on Fridays and 20% off. And we got to see the client for like a oh, moment to hand them a bag, which yeah. was really cool. And then we also started doing just, again, based on, you know, clients reaching out and their hair getting, you know, ridiculous, saying, I'm going to go buy box colors. So we came up with, you know, kind of our own idea and then also saw that other leaders in the industry were doing something similar. And we put together these mini versions of a client's formula in the salon into a small package with a, with a kit with video directions and written directions. And again, either mailed it to the clients or um, they came and picked them up as well on Fridays. And it was, it generated enough revenue that we were able to pay our staff's medical insurance. And that was oh, really important great. to us. So, and, and it was also good to be busy, like, and make a color order in the middle mm -hmm. of all of this. Like it felt like we were still open to place an order, like to a vendor, which was a really good feeling. It sounds crazy, but in the middle of all of this to pay your electric bill feels normal, you know, like, you yeah, yeah. Have some sense of that when we didn't even know when we were going to open. I mean, it, so that's, those are the things we did and then made the mad rush the last couple of weeks to get the right amount of sanitizers and the right yeah. spacing and moving and measuring and moving and hanging dividers and, you know, making the staff a little bit less hours so that everybody can feel comfortable coming back and not have, cause our salon's pretty busy it's yeah. full. And so we made it a little more uh, roomy feeling, which has been really good. And then um, Ambrosia, the last time that we spoke, you guys were considering probably doing the plexiglass. Was that right? The dividers between, mm -hmm. did you guys do that? Yeah, we did. I mean, in some spaces that we couldn't give that six foot distance, we did do, especially at our shampoo bowls, oh, Okay, plexiglass between each shampoo bowl. We have plexiglass between some of the stations where they're not distance enough, which, um, it's kind of cool looking. It's nice. And we were, they're, they're hanging. <laughs> it looks professional. Soon. Yeah. It looks, do. And I yeah. mean, it's kind of neat. I mean, it, it's, and it's clean looking and it's, uh, it's still inviting. It's easy to clean and it makes people feel like they have their own sense of privacy in it and it doesn't feel claustrophobic. So yeah, I'm really happy with the, the look of it and how it turned out. And, um, so I was looking at your guys's website as of right now, you guys are not doing blow dries. Is that right? Right. For phase one, we right. just decided to eliminate it. I mean, okay. when it comes to business, the hard line is that you either have to increase your prices right, or you have to take something out of your service in order to compensate for that cleanup time and uh, short, you know, shortening your, your hours or your clientele that you can see in a day. So in order to accommodate the clients that we already have, uh, we knew that, and for the safety of others, I mean, just having all that air right. blowing around and uh, with the amount of uh, operators there are in that space, all blow dryers going at one time. And right. just considering that you feel like you're in the Amazon jungle when you've got that mask on mm -hmm. anyway, adding that blow dryer <laughs> on top of it, it just was an easy no brainer just to say, you know what, phase one, we're taking it out and we'll reevaluate phase two. Oh, there you go. And then you guys are, so it sounds like you guys are still doing the apprenticeship, uh, the classes, right? On Tuesdays. Yeah, Not we're right just taking now. it out for one month to oh, get okay. into the groove of things, but then we will reinstigate it. And Josette and I just alternate every other Tuesday. Uh, okay. She one, I teach the other. Uh, and then our apprenticeship, I mean, we focus on very different things. And we have a board where we, you know, show everyone. We have a, a calendar in the break room so that everyone knows when they need to have models, how many models, what time yeah. they have models in. Yeah. Um, which actually, if if I would say... If one of your um, one of your apprentices said, "I don't have so many models," you know, I had to go to Lloyd Center. I had to go to Lloyd Center because there were no iPhones, there was no Instagram, and I actually had to go up to strangers and say, "Hey, 
you know, it's like, it's so much easier now with the whole social media to get uh, models. So, uh, but I would say, yeah, uh, students, if you guys are considering going to an apprenticeship program, it is not very scary right now to find models. So just FYI. <laughs> Um, okay, so now that you guys, it sounds like you guys are pretty structured with COVID. Um, now with what's going on, like the political climate and the protesting, how are you guys, how did you guys discuss Black Lives Matter and are you applying it to your business or are you guys doing anything to help the movement? Yep, uh, yeah, we, um, well, first we had a conversation about it actually during all of COVID, we had a weekly meeting. We had a Zoom meeting with our staff every single week to check in with each other, see how everyone's doing, if anyone had any complications with filing their unemployment, if anybody had any questions for us, any updates that we wanted to give them. Um, you know, we just had that meeting to talk and, and you know, it was just nice for us to see each other too. I mean, just yeah. catch up with what's going on in each other's lives and all that. But with the Black Lives Matter, we um, decided as a group, okay, let's definitely post about this. Let's support local artists also, and let's kind of bridge the two. So that way we're able to support our own community, our own Black community, and we're able to still keep it within our community as well. So it feels relevant as a business and as a unit. And so we did some research. We found a couple of different local organizations and one of them was the Black Resilience Fund, which actually it gives back to black families who are unable to pay their bills, unable to, you know, or need help with groceries, that sort of thing. So it's giving back to the homes of people in our own community, which was really important to us. So we decided that all of our retail uh, sales for, gosh, it was over a month. It ended up being what was seven or eight weeks actually, uh, the funds will be going to Black Resilience Fund. So oh, through great. the end of Jul uh, June, through the end of June. So we still have a few more days left. Um, so I actually am going to have, uh, later in July, I am going to have, her name is Unique. She just opened a salon in Alberta. She had done her beauty school training over, and I, I believe it's North Carolina. So I asked her, it's like, did you, did you only have straight haired mannequins in beauty school? And she said, no. And what my question is, is because here I went to Northwest College and that's all we had. We never learned curly hair or highly textured curly hair. Do you guys, will you guys be implementing that type of teaching at all? like how to cut um, just highly textured curly hair? Yeah, well, we have, we've already been doing. Joe oh, said it's great. Yeah. We have clients, um, we have black clients, we have clients with really curly hair. It's part of our program to, to teach curly hair. We do have some mannequin heads that have incredibly textured curly hair. Um, one of the, you know, just even how to comb through it and smooth it out is one of the things that we do work on and it, it is challenging. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that we would ever, well, not ever, that's probably not fair, but like currently I wouldn't say that we're experts in, uh, black hair, but we do have enough clients that we, they love our service and we're good. We're, we're really good at it, but that just comes down to how many times a week do you do a particular type right. of service? And, but when we engage in things, we put it, you know, all of our training and all of our, our our ideas and mastery into those things so and we love that you know clients come no matter who or color or whatever yeah everybody's welcome and we never have ever had an issue with that thankfully really cool yeah what uh now you guys are you guys fully booked as in staff right now mm -hmm. yes we are yes. okay and is there room later on do you think this year for to hire apprentices yeah, I mean, we always reevaluate it about every six months. Um, you know, I mean, obviously through the apprenticeship, the, the whole purpose is so that they could be full-time independent stylists, right? So, um, you know, we incorporate, you know, how we were talking before, they have their Sunday. Once they hit their indicators for Sunday, then they earn another day, another day, so on and so forth. And so they slowly uh, earn their way onto the floor. 
And as that happens, we bring on some another apprentice. So we go through the whole hiring process, bring on another apprentice. Um, and then the senior apprentice basically is training or helping us with training the starting the junior apprentice, and then they will start in the program. So yeah, that's absolutely something that we have ongoing. Um, okay, so I have a couple more questions for you guys. And what do you guys see for the future of your salon? Like, what's your goal for the future of the salon? Well, we have a lot of goals, but <laughs> if we just go to the immediate future, like next year, for instance, it's really just to get back to where we were before, you know, I mean, we hitting seven figures as a business, being able to build up our bottom line, provide more education for our, our stylists. Um, you know, we, we love bringing in quarterly education for everyone, obviously right now, just because we're still coming back from COVID and, you know, it's very sensitive. We don't have any, um, any setup for the rest of this calendar date, but we will reevaluate it again. So that's something that's really important to us. Um, you know, there's ideas that we've kind of thrown out a little bit where possibly if the right, you know, we're not really seeking it right now, but if, if the right opportunity were to present itself, we wouldn't be opposed to having maybe a second or sister salon a second mm -hmm. location where we can still kind of expand in other ways or have a different feel to it. Um, and I think even, you know, personally, Josette, do you want to talk about that? Um, I mean, I think the, the goals for the salon are to make everyone feel like they're growing, you know, even in the midst of all this recent um, COVID and changes with schedules and, and clients feeling, you know, comfortable, that's top priority. But again, yeah, Ambrosia and I, uh, we really love the idea of making more of us, meaning more spaces available. And maybe, you know, we have a hybrid salon, which is pretty cool. There's not a lot of hybrid salons and it's been extremely successful. And we have yeah. really, really great independent contractors that come to our meetings and they're part of our group. And we, we make them feel exactly that, well, we, we strive to make them feel the same. And, you know, who knows if that could, could work. Um, but also just feeling we want our employees to feel safe that we're going to be around. You know, we have several years left on our lease and we have no intentions of going anywhere. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are the goals definitely changed with um, since, you know, like the end of February, like in the yeah. sense of uh, more immediate uh, things. But long term, yeah, I mean, Ambrosia, she's a fireball. So she's always got like lots of stuff going on and I love hearing her stories of you know her coaching business and and I'm in a different place like personally just because I'm older and I you know I love doing what I'm doing in the salon and then I still do a lot of things at home but like yeah. my goals are to you know maybe eventually like have a little bit less to do business-wise yeah and but still be involved in the salon of course because I don't know maybe till the day I die that'll probably happen <laughs> Which actually, that's funny because that was going to be my last question is what, if you guys have thought about an exit plan and what that would look like. Ambrosia, I don't think you're going to be exiting anytime soon. <laughs> it sounds like you're going to be busy for, for a while. So have you thought about an exit plan of what you would like? I know it's going to change, you know, but have you thought about that at all? Oh, definitely. I mean, um, I have mine is more like a 10 year exit plan and I already have that figured out. And, um, you know, I think if you pay attention to like where your numbers are and like where you're projecting, I mean, if you kind of pay attention to those things and you can figure out where you need to be, I mean, it's like any goal you work backwards from there. And, um, you know, on a, uh, like when I mentioned before on a personal level, I want to be a better leader to everyone. And by being that you can't wear all the hats. So I've done hair for so many years and I love, love doing hair. I love being around people. I love being, you know, problem solver. And that's really what it is when you're a hairstylist, when you're a really good hairstylist, you're mm -hmm. just solving problems, right? Yeah. So, so if I'm tied up behind the chair, then that doesn't really exactly make me like the best leader. So yeah. by having that paradigm shift where I'm not so congested behind the chair, I mean, I used to triple quadruple book which is an old business model and it really doesn't function the purposes yeah. of being able to support others. So by taking a step back and not doing so much congestion behind the chair, then that allows me to 
focus on other people, their growth and what we can do to build them up. So my goal is to, is to replace myself. <laughs> I mean, that's really the ultimate goal. You got to replace yourself so yeah. that you can dip out and you have a retirement at the end of all this. Yeah. Um, okay. So last question, and this is, I'll ask Joseph first, or actually it's two part question. What do you have to like, what's some pearls of wisdom for people considering going into beauty school or people in beauty school? And what's your pearls of wisdom um, forming a partnership? I think if you're going to go to beauty school, I think try not to get kind of hung up on which school it should work for you in that moment. So if it's a financial thing or a location thing or an hours of operation for the school, go to school, get your degree or get your license and then really strive for continuing education. But I do have to say one thing with that is that the newer beauty school or the newer cosmetologist, uh, what I've seen in our in apprenticeship as far as advice for a, a new person in school is that people what we what we're learning is that interpretation like so these young students like have their Instagram and they have all these videos to watch and now they're super amazing because they can do their foilage on a mannequin and they're set to go but really in an apprenticeship your leader your teacher your mentor whether it's you know like Ambrosia and I or another stylist they're going to watch you and see if you actually interpreted what you watched in that video. So it, it's changing a little bit to where we're constantly inundated with all this training and educational videos and classes, but what's the interpretation of that look like? Yeah. So my advice to someone in school is to just please do as much hands-on training as you can because you have all this access to videos, but you really, hopefully you can have someone coach you, whether it's an apprenticeship or someone that's willing to just even watch, video yourself and send it to them and have some sort of interaction where you're seeing if you're interpreting these techniques correctly. And then, I'm sorry, what was the second question? Uh, partnership, considering partnership. Oh, partnership. I think partnerships are good. It's like what Ambrosia was saying earlier, you know, just there's a lot of hats to wear in a business and there's the the how person and the why person, you know, and you need you, you need to um, respect each other, but I think partnerships are good because it's a, if I had to do this all by myself, uh, I would look like I was a hundred years old and <laughs> I would probably cry every day, but I don't. And so having a partnership can be a real blessing, but you have to be able to communicate. And again, like sometimes that's not easy communicating. And sometimes you don't see eye to eye, but again, it's like a family. So if you, if you think of a partnership, like a marriage or um, your sibling, you know, there's going to be moments where it feels like it isn't cohesive and then you work through it. But I, I, I would advise partnerships because of the amount of responsibilities that it takes to really run a successful business, or you better get some, a lot of money to have, to hire four yeah. people and, and have a lot of capital. So you either do a partnership or you bring a lot of money to the table and actually pay people to do those jobs that are super important. The difference is partnership usually has passion, meaning yeah. behind yep. that job role. So you're going to get a little bit more commitment, but that doesn't mean you can't hire a really good um, worker. Right. It's just a little bit, but that would be my advice. And then how about you, Ambrosia? What, uh, what's some pearls of wisdom for students or people considering beauty school and then um, people considering like myself, doing a partnership? Uh, to answer your first question, for beauty school students, I think it's important to keep in mind that you don't have to graduate in order to get your interviews started. So seek as many uh, salons as possible. Understand that you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. And don't get caught up in the aesthetics of things. See how people are treating one another. See how you feel when you walk in? How are they treating you when you walk in? Um, and then the second piece of that is when you're looking for a mentor, if, if you align with somebody and they are interested in communicating with back with you or like, you know, invite them to coffee or ask them if they can take a second to talk with you. We're, we're all human. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what, like you have to keep that in mind that even if you look up to that person, if you, if you approach them and they're human back to you, then you're started, you've already started on the right foot footing. Like, okay, now I can, 
I can ask this person for advice and they don't have to necessarily be your mentor in order to give sound advice. I mean, there've been many times where somebody would approach me and they're nervous to talk. And yeah, but for me just to be human enough and just to say like, I was really, really nervous when I first started out and I was unsure if I even wanted to be in this industry. And for them to hear that, it gives permission to be like, oh, got it. We're now human again. Let's let's be human and talk to one another. So just know that there's so many resources outside of your own school that you can turn to. And there's people that want to talk with you. There's people that want to meet you. Mm -hmm. And just because they've been in the industry for this amount of time, just because they have this many followers on Instagram, just because whatever the, whatever the, whatever it is that makes you feel like there's a roadblock in there, um, try to look at it as they started somewhere and they're driven enough to keep going. And that means that they're probably more open to talking with you and wanting to, and they could become your new friend. Like, yeah, it's just one of those things that just like, don't take the human qualities out of the, the business and, and stick with people who fit you. And that actually kind of answers the second part of the question. Right. It, you can't have a partnership with somebody unless you are aligned goal wise. Yep. And if you guys can trend set, set the same thing moving forward it's the same thing with a partnership with a company. I mean, why would you want to represent this company if you're not using their, their tools and you're not really an advocate of it? Why would you want to do a part, form a partnership with somebody if you can't you know, see eye to eye with things? And so there's a huge accountability piece that goes into partnerships. And that's why partnership is important for me. I've, I've had partnerships outside of the salon even. It's just, it's a way of, being able to cover all your bases, see things that you can't see, and it keeps you flexible and it keeps you growing. So if I know everything all the time, then I've completely shut out the idea that I can continue to grow and I'll miss things along the way. That's really cool. So guys, uh, this is a conversation with Josette Ardridson and Ambrosia Carey, owners of Oryx Salon. The salon is a beautiful space with tons of natural lighting located in the Alphabet District off of Northwest 23rd in between Overton and Northrop. If you guys are interested in learning more, please visit their website at www.oryxsalon.com. You can also check out their beautiful work on Instagram at Oryx Salon. Uh, well, thank you ladies for being a part of the show. Thank, thank you so you much. for having us. Okay, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay, bye. 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 So guys, there you have it. Two strong, dedicated women, not only to their craft, but to forming and maintaining a strong partnership for their salon and for their team. And I don't know, I think if I found the right person or if the right person found me, we could definitely make things happen. I do know that I love working behind the chair, so I'd probably be at the salon all the time. And I work better and I enjoy it with having a salon, having a sense of order, um, kind of a, a hierarchy. And as for a future owner and just a person in general, I do believe in putting in the work to make myself better and a better leader. Whether that's reading books, going to seminars, talking with others, and I definitely believe in continuing education in the field that I love, which is hair. Uh, I also love bringing people together. I did a couple of photo shoots at the salon and it felt good that the stylists were having a great time. And in episode four, I talk about being a team player and that is my jam. Team environment is very important. It creates safety, allows vulnerability, and for people to be honest about their feelings. Okay. Now, the downside, which I'm not really sure if it's a negative or a positive, but if I was an owner, I do not believe in being buddy buddies with your staff or stylist. It doesn't mean that I don't like people or I wouldn't like to have, I want to have coffee with them. I, I do want to enjoy conversations, but I do feel when you become really close or too close or how I call it, buddy buddies, lines get blurred, boundaries get blurred, and people either take you for granted or you take others for granted. And then the work isn't as serious. And honestly, it just becomes messy. But like I said, I don't know if that's a negative or a positive because I don't want to come off as being too cold. 
I don't want to come off as being disinterested in my stylist. And I don't want to come off as being unapproachable if one of my stylists was in a jam and needed some advice or needed some help. So we'll see. That's just something for me to think about. And if you are a listener who is an owner, doesn't matter if you're a salon owner or not, I would love to hear your advice or feedback with that. So you can either slide into my DM. No, I don't want to date you. No, but you can go ahead and just uh, send me a message on Instagram. You can also email me at portlandhairstylist at gmail.com. Well, guys, that's it for now. So be safe, be healthy, and above all, be hopeful. This is your hair session with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mazur, a.k.a. Portland Hairstylist. Show written by Emily Mazur, sponsored by Zeba Hub. Zeba Hub, a career app for beauty professionals where you can find jobs, explore events, and build community. And editing done by 127 Media House.